0: Heavenly Father, we cannot thank you enough for the precious gift it is to have your word before us this morning. But Lord, we do recognize that we are sinners and that we have blindness toward your word. Lord, we pray that you may help us to understand it, forgive us for our sins, and allow us to hear your voice. This morning and may it touch our hearts. May we comprehend what you have said and may we become more like your son Jesus Christ as a direct result of hearing your voice contained in your word this morning. And we pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Well, what have you neglected lately? We all neglect things. What have you neglected in your life? One of the things that I'm very good at neglecting is my lawn, is the garden. I used to have more of an extensive garden when I lived next door, but now I've moved a couple doors down the road. We pretty much just have lawn. But even that, I'm very good at neglecting. I'm very good at neglecting to mow the lawn. And if I neglect it for too long... What happens? Well, it's not just the grass that grows up. There's lots of weeds that grow up in between the grass and the longer I leave it, the more weeds come up as they propagate themselves all over my lawn. And so I have neglected the lawn and it just gets worse and worse until it gets very difficult to mow if I'm not very careful. And so when I've been neglecting the lawn, I need some motivation to go out and do it. The reason I neglect it is because I don't think it's a big issue. So I need some motivation to go out and mow the lawn. And how do I get that motivation? Well, usually it's through my wife, Jill. She's not uh, so bold as to say, Joel, go mow the lawn. She just says, weren't you going to mow the lawn today? That subtle hint language that girls are so good at of Weren't you going to do it this morning? I'm not commanding you, but just prompting you. She gives me that motivation to go out and, and mow the lawn and stop neglecting it as I have been. But we neglect things in all kinds of areas, not just the lawn. You might be a very astute gardener, but uh, we neglect things in all kinds of ways. And one of the things that we're very good at neglecting is doing what God has told us to do, and particularly working on God's temple, working for him. And that's what we're going to look at this morning as we look at how the Israelites have neglected God's temple. My first main point this morning, as we look at the book of Ezra then, is work on God's temple has been neglected. If you've got a church bulletin, you can see my two points there on the back uh, this morning. And the first one is work on God's temple has been neglected. And we're going to look at this particularly in the book of Ezra. So I encourage you to have your Bibles open there, page 464 of the Black Church Bibles. And we'll be looking at uh, verse 24 of chapter 4 and then the start of chapter 5. Because the Israelites have been neglecting work on God's temple. How did the Israelites get to this point? What's going on here in Ezra? Well, a bit of background history. Firstly, where the Israelites come from in the beginning... Well, you've got Abraham. He's called there in Genesis chapter 12 by God to follow him. And then Abraham has a son, Isaac. Isaac then has a son called, uh, Jacob, whose name then gets changed to Israel. And Jacob then has a bunch of sons and they become the 12 tribes of Israel. Then those 12 tribes of Israel go down to, well, those 12 and those sons go down to Egypt. They are there in Egypt, prosper well, but then, of course, they're put into slavery by a Pharaoh who doesn't like the Jews. And then God hears their cries, brings them out of Egypt, which is the Exodus, brings them to the promised land after they wander in the desert for a while, Brings them to the promised land, they set up shop there, they enjoy themselves, but they also enjoy sinning a lot, which then means they get taken, after a lot of warnings from God, into exile. They get taken by the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, taken into exile, and are there for 70 years. Then... A very kind king comes to the throne, Cyrus. And we saw that when we were looking at the book of Ezra last year. At the beginning of Ezra, chapter 1, Cyrus lets them go back from exile in Babylon, back to Jerusalem, back to the promised land, and tells them to start work on God's temple. And so they start. We saw that when we looked at um, Ezra last year. They start the work, they start, they build the altar, and they start work on the foundations of God's temple. But then what happens? Enemies in the land come and delay them and stop them working, and so the work stopped. And we saw that uh, a few weeks ago, and in Ezra chapter four, if we look at back, Ezra chapter four, verse four. We see then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. They hired counsellors to work against them and frustrate their plans during the entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia, down to the reign of Darius, king of Persia. And then over the last two weeks, we've seen a jump forward into the future, basically to um, time uh, around Nehemiah. We see uh, Xerxes, under the reign of Xerxes and Artaxerxes, that there is still hostility going on. And that goes from verse 6 down to verse 23. So that's sort of like a jump into the future. Now we come back, and that's where we pick up today. Verse 24 connects with verse 5 that verses uh, 6 to 23 is a leap into the future to show that hostility continued while they were in the land, and now we pick up back with the time of Darius, uh, king of Persia. So Xerxes and Artaxerxes are son and grandson of Darius. And so we've got this time now in the reign of Darius where for 16 years, basically... They have been neglecting the temple of God. Opposition came. They were meant to be building the temple and they haven't been doing that. And this shouldn't be the case, should it? They've been told to build the temple. The temple is the area where they offer sacrifices for their sins. That altar there is where they are cleansed from their unrighteousness. It's the focal point of their entire lives. And so they shouldn't be neglecting building the temple. But they are because that opposition arose and so they've neglected it for 16 years. And so you can just imagine the temple. It's meant to be this large building, wonderful building. But now after 16 years, weeds have grown up and it hasn't been worked upon at all. And this is the same today. It's not a peculiar thing just to the Israelites. It is the same today. We neglect the temple of God. Is that because we don't go over to Jerusalem and knock down the mosque that's there and start building a temple? No. God's temple is not in Jerusalem anymore. God's temple is us. Jesus is God's temple and we are united with him through his death. And we are the temples for the Holy Spirit. But we can neglect our temples. We cannot work as we should on building God's kingdom in our lives and the lives around us. How can you tell if you've been neglecting God's temple? How can you tell? Well, you can tell by the way the state of your own temple is, your own actions. Particularly, are there sins in your life that you're grappling with, that are taking over? They're like weeds that have grown up as you've neglected God's temple building God's temple in your life. What sort of weeds? What sort of sins? Well, Galatians gives us a good little list. He, Paul says there, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, And envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. Sins like those, are they growing up in your life? Do they indicate that you've been neglecting God's work in your life? It's not just the presence of sins, though, that show your neglect. It's the acts that you should be doing. Are they happening in your life? The fruit of the Spirit. Can you see that happening in your life? Or have you been neglecting God's temple so that the fruit is not occurring there? Do you see the fruit of the Spirit that Paul puts there just after the acts of the sinful nature of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Do you see those things in your life? Or by their absence, do you realise that you've been neglecting God's temple? And it's not just your own temple that you can neglect. You should be helping other people be good temples for God's Holy Spirit as well. And you can see whether you've been neglecting the temples that are around you by the fact that you witness to other people. You want to see God's kingdom grow, you want to see his temple expand... How does that happen? As people become Christians and the Holy Spirit takes them up and lives inside them. Do you help that happen? Or is it rare that you share the gospel with those around you who are non-Christians and show that you're neglecting them and not building God's temple in their lives? And even in the Christians that are around you, are you neglecting them as well? Is it much easier for you to talk to Christians about the news, about entertainment, different celebrities? Is it easier to talk to them about sport and even the weather? You'll talk to them about pretty much everything except about how they're going with the Lord. You'll talk to them about everything except about theological concerns, different sins that you're struggling with, and different sins that they may be struggling with. When was the last time you had a spiritual conversation with a brother or sister in Christ? Does that show that you've been neglecting God's temple in those around you? I think if we're honest, we all recognize that we've neglected God's temple, that we need help, just like these Israelites needed help to get over that rut that they were in, of neglecting God's temple. So how does that happen? How do we get over that rut? Because the trouble is, the longer you leave something, the harder it is to get working on it again. How do we start working on God's temple again? What motivates us? I have Jill motivate me to go out and mow the lawn. What motivates us to work on God's temple? Well, that brings me to my second main point this morning. Work on God's temple begins because of God's word. How did these people get working again on God's temple? Well, we see it in Ezra chapter 5. We saw in Ezra chapter 4, verse 24, that thus the work on the house of God in Jerusalem came to a standstill until the second year of the reign of Darius king of Persia. Then chapter 5 begins. Verse 1, page 464 of the Black Church Bibles. Now Haggai... The prophet and Zechariah the prophet, a descendant of Edo, prophesied to the Jews in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel, which, who was over them. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, son of Jozadak, set to work to rebuild the house of God in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them, helping them. How do they get God's word to motivate them again? God sends these two prophets. He sends Haggai and Zechariah. And as with um, different prophets come and go in the Old Testament, we actually have the words of these two particular guys. The books that their words are contained in are called Haggai and Zechariah. And you can read them in uh, your Bibles. You can read what they said at this time in Ezra. And it's through them speaking that people start work again on God's temple. Haggai is particularly clear about how God's people have been neglecting his temple. He really gets stuck into them because what have they been doing? They've been building their own houses while God's house hasn't been touched at all. And so he tears into them. And I just wanted to give you an example. He's very easy to read. I encourage you this afternoon, go home and read all of Haggai. And if you're really keen, read all of Zechariah while you're there, although he is much... Uh, more difficult to read. Um, but yes, turn to Haggai chapter 1 and I'll read uh, one of Haggai's sermons there. Page 937, 937 of the Black Church Bible. And we'll read the words of Haggai here that motivate God's people to stop neglecting his temple and get moving again on it. Haggai chapter 1, verse 1, page 937, 937 of the Black Church Bibles. Haggai chapter 1, verse 1, we read the words of this prophet who gets them moving again. What does he say? In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And verse 2, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your panelled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but have harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Therefore because of you the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains on the grain the new wine the oil and whatever the ground produces on men and cattle and on the labor of your hands. They have been neglecting God's house and God is punishing them for what they've been doing. They're striving after their own wealth after things that they think will make them happy while neglecting God's temple. And Haggai comes and corrects them and says, What are you doing? Start going up into the mountains, bring down some timber, and start building God's house. So we see there these prophets getting these guys moving again. And it's interesting to note why these prophets are successful. Why are they successful? We get two little clues as to how these prophets are successful back in Ezra chapter 5. It says a couple of things about them, two things in particular. Ezra chapter 5, page 464 of the Black Church Bibles, page 464. Ezra chapter 5, in verse 1, what do we read? Now Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the prophet, a descendant of Iddo, prophesied to the Jews in Judah and and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. Why are they successful? Because they come in the name of God who is over them. These are not prophets who put themselves over God. These are prophets who are under God. These are prophets who are submissive to God and come in God's name. And so they are successful because they are true prophets of God. They're not false prophets who are simply wanting to have a nice temple and because it may prosper them in some way. No, they come in God's name. And so we see as they come in God's name as true prophets. God's word has effect, and the people stop neglecting the temple. And how else do we see that they are uh, they are successful? Verse 2 Then Zerubbabel, son of Sheotil, and Jeshua, son of Jozadak, set to work to rebuild the house of God in Jerusalem, and the prophets of God were with them, helping them. These prophets practice what they preach, they are there helping build the temple. They're not ones who stay up in some sort of ivory tower and say, all you guys get to work on that temple and I'll supervise what you're doing. No, they're there helping build the temple as well. They recognise it's their responsibility as well as the people's responsibility. And that is so important. Someone who teaches and then doesn't do what they say undermines their message completely. It is very difficult for a public speaker to preach about something, to speak about something and encourage people to change when they know very clearly he hasn't done anything in his own life. We see these prophets, they do what they say to the people as well. And it's the same today. How are we to get over our neglect of God's temple, our own lives and the lives of those around us? How do we... Get over that rut that we're in? Well, it must be God's word. God's word must come and encourage you to stop neglecting his temple and be more faithful to him. How does God's word come to you? Do we have Haggai and Zechariah come in and tell us all to get busy? No, they're dead, long gone. They're in heaven uh, in uh, rejoicing now with our Lord Jesus Christ uh, in paradise. It is uh, they aren't going to be back anytime soon that I'm aware of. Although prophets do show up occasionally. Uh, we see Elijah show up with Jesus. You never know. Um, God may send them here. But uh, there is no indication that we're going to have Haggai or Zechariah show up in person and tell us to get busy. So how do we have God's word to motivate us? Well, firstly, we need the word that is Jesus Christ, the word become flesh. How are we going to get motivated to do God's work? We need Jesus Christ, the word, as John tells us. If you recognise that you've been neglecting God's temple, what do you need to do? You need to repent of your sins and ask for forgiveness in Jesus Christ. That's the first and foremost thing you need to do. Ask for forgiveness, show repentance to God, and then ask him to strengthen you. Ask Jesus, the word, to strengthen you so that you can tackle the sins in your life and start showing the fruit of the Spirit. And if you're not a Christian, this goes for you too. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian and you want to start building God's temple today, you recognise that it is important, that you should be doing what God wants and you recognise that you should be building a temple, you should be the temple for God's Holy Spirit. How do you get started? You need the word Jesus Christ. You need to repent of your sins. And you need to believe that Jesus has paid for those sins on the cross. And then you become the temple for the Holy Spirit. And then you need to continue repenting, continue believing, and seeing the evidence of God's work in your life. Seeing that you are God's temple by the way that you act and live. How else do we get the word? Well, we need the word Jesus Christ, but we also have the word as contained in this book, in the scriptures. Here we have the very words of God. And this motivates us to stop neglecting God's temple. You need to read this book if you are to overcome your neglect of God and his commands to you. Read this book. It will motivate you. Get as much scripture into you as possible and pray the Bible. As you read it, pray what you're reading. It is one of the most helpful things that has been in my life for me to do. It means that my prayers are motivated out of God's word. And it means that I apply God's word as I go. I say, how can I pray about this? And then as you pray, you're making application from it. The Psalms are very easy to start with, but you should be doing that with the entire Bible. Go through the word. Get the word into you. It will help you overcome the neglect that you have for God's temple. Also, hear the word in God's preachers. God speaks through his people, and particularly those people he puts as teachers, preachers, over his people. Go to your local church. Hear God's word taught. Hear it taught not just at Sunday services, but... That's the most important meeting of the week for you to come along to, is where we gather together and hear God's word taught and sing praises to him and pray with him with our brothers and sisters. But also, there are other meetings on through the week that you can come to, Bible studies, other things that you can do with the church where you can hear God's word taught. Hear God's word so that it motivates you and hear it at your local church. But you don't have to just go to your local church. You can also go to conferences. There are many good conferences here in Sydney that are put on by uh, godly men and women organising them and they get good preachers along to those. Go and hear those preachers. Hear God's word taught so that you do not neglect God's temple. Also, listen to sermons on the internet. The internet is a wonderful thing. It has also brought many bad things into the world, but it also has brought much good. And one of the great things about the internet is you can hear good quality preachers, men of God, preaching over the internet. And you can download those and put them into your iPod or MP3 player or onto your CD player and listen to them. And God speaks through recordings. He's done it much in my life. And so I can attest to it. It's not just when you hear a sermon live, a recorded sermon can be very helpful to you. If you want some ideas as to who you should be listening to, speak to me afterwards and I'll email you a bunch of websites of preachers that I like and find helpful. Also, read books. God speaks through people, authors, preachers, different Christians, writing books. Read books. I encourage every week, pretty much, a book from the pulpit here. And it's because I believe God speaks through books. Books have been so influential in my life. They have helped me stop neglecting God's temple so much that I encourage you, Read books and hear God's voice speak through other brothers and sisters as they have written in books. But remember, with your local church, preachers, with people at conferences, with sermons on the internet, with authors of books, remember to assess them with the assessment that we see here of Haggai and Zechariah. What's that assessment? That they come in the name of the God who was over them. Test all preachers by God's word. Check are they coming in God's name. Hold up the scriptures to them. God speaks through preachers, but he doesn't speak through preachers in the same way he speaks through his word. This is inerrant. It has no mistakes. I make mistakes. Every minister makes mistakes. Authors make mistakes. Test them By God's word, are they coming in the name of God? And also test them by whether they are doing what they say. Do they practice what they preach like Haggai and Zechariah did? Reject them if they don't. Be very careful to follow someone who doesn't do what he says you should do. And that goes for me as well. If you see me saying stuff from the pulpit but then living a totally different way, confront me on it. One of the greatest things you can do is quote me to me. It's very confronting for me because it's Joel speaking to Joel. Say, do you remember what you said, Joel, from the pulpit? And now I see you doing this? Confront me on it. I want to have as effective ministry as possible for God's glory here and I need to make sure that I'm doing what I say from the pulpit, that it's reflected in my life and I need your help to make sure that I'm doing that. But as you read books, as you listen to other preachers outside of this church, make sure you're assessing them for whether they practice what they preach. So have you been building God's temple to the best of your ability in your life and in the lives of those around you? Or have you neglected it? Are there sins in your own life now that you're very much aware of, that you're struggling with? Weeds that have grown up from your neglect? What do you go to for motivation? What do you need to go to right now? Do you recognize that it must be the word of God that you go to? Nothing else will suffice to help you overcome the neglect that you have for God's temple. Do you recognize that? Do you go to Jesus Christ, the word. Ask for forgiveness and trust in him. Ask him for his strength. And do you go to this word, to your Bibles, to help you overcome the sins in your life? And do you go to those people around you, particularly leaders of God's people that he's particularly gifted to teach? Do you listen to them? so that you are motivated to not neglect God's temple in your own life and in those around you. Let us speak with him now. Let's speak with our God.